I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode is brought to you by MeBank, the bank built and supported by industry super funds. Ever wondered about getting a better deal on your home loan? Well, it might be time to get in touch with MeBank. Whatever your investment strategy you'll find a loan that's right for you with competitive rates and flexible home loan options. So stop wondering and start saving. Call MeBank on 131 563 or visit mebank.com.au. Terms and conditions apply. Now here's the show. And that's the thing that APRA's got to realise. They've got to allow these lending back into the market. Otherwise, if people can't get this 60% lend on their assets, they've got to sell. And again, that's akin to wanting an apple, but Apple tell you to cut the tree down. What do you do next year? This is Property Investory, where we talk to successful property investors, find out more about their stories, mindset and strategy. I'm Tyrone Shum and in this episode, we'll continue the conversation with founder of The Property Club, Kevin Young. We'll hear about how to apply his property investing strategy for success and how his book, Broke at 20, Retired at 27, will change the way people think about property. Young says that initially, poverty was what held him back from investing in property saving the money over a period of time in order to place his first deposit. At our second barbecue in Sydney back in 1994, um, there was a policeman and his brother was a bus driver. And they wanted to get started and they realised, you know, paying, they have paying a lot of tax. And I said, well, uh, what sort of equity have you got? And they said, we haven't got any shares, we haven't got any money, we've got kids we're bringing up and we've got second-hand cars. Luckily, their mother was there. And I said, well, do you own your own home? And uh, I said, you can go guarantor for the boys to get them started. And she said, no, I own too. She said, but uh, Dad died at Dubbo and he's got an old shack out there that I've got. Um, and we were estranged, so I never ever got a chance to see the shack, but I guess it's worth something. Mm. We had it valued, and it valued at $70,000. She nearly fell over. <laughs> but she was up to guarantor for boys, and they were able to buy two properties each. So they went from having nothing and no way to move to being well off and not paying tax and their mother was able to see them without costing her a penny, uh, see them up and on their feet and and progressing well. So that wasn't an opportunity for me because obviously mum and dad didn't have anything. Uh, I bought them their first home when I was 21. So I had no one to borrow from. I had to save the money. So I think that's a bit of a lesson for people who think property's too dear today. It's not. You just got to work hard for it, and you always did in the past as well. It was uh, the first property I bought for mum and dad was seven thousand two hundred dollars, and I can't remember how much money I was earning, but um, uh, I had to save up ten percent deposit in those days, which was seven hundred twenty, 
And I think that would have taken me all of 12 months to say that, if not more. Well, I can tell you uh, that was in a Brisbane suburb and today that same suburb to buy a property, uh, a new property, and uh, it was fairly new, you'd be probably looking at about $460,000. There you go. So wow. So that, that same property, <clears throat> um, it was on a large block, um, and so they knocked the house down and they built uh, two houses uh, on it. Um, so it, it would have got more than the 460, but if it stayed as the property 460, and just some ideas of it in front of me, 1980, Sydney was 71,000. Uh, Ten years later, it was 173,000. Ten years later, it was 309 in 2000. Um, and so this is why I love property. It's um, If you buy good quality stuff and ignore regionals, ignore regional cities, regional towns, mining, mining towns, they're just too risky. Uh, go new and go close to the city centres. Um, it's a good, safe investment. Young has also experienced setbacks throughout his property investment journey, which he says have shaped him into a more persistent person and therefore have contributed to his success. I had a long conversation, about two hour conversation with a, a journalist. Uh, I was driving from uh, uh, across. Tasmania to Launceston and he asked me all sorts of questions about my background and I had a long conversation with him about the club and it had only been going about five years and um, the next thing I know I got a, I was back in the Gold Coast and I had a phone call from him and he said call off your dogs and I said what do you mean <laughs> and he said I've been flooded by emails um, about the article I said when did you print it and he said this morning and I, I was in bed um, and he said the first one came at midnight from London, would you believe? <laughs> so I quickly got dressed, went down and bought the paper, and I was on page two and three, the whole thing. This guy had thought I was a shyster because just at that time, the Bulletin journalist had won an award for uncovering Dudley Quinn 11 and the two-tier marketing operation that he was running on the Gold Coast. So this bloke thought he'd, he'd found another Dudley Quinn uh, living. Uh, yeah. And so he sort of said, is he Dudley Quinn living? And pictures of my office and saying, is this where people get trapped? It was terrible. And, of course, I told him that I'd been made bankrupt back in the mid-'80s over some people that I was suing for $7,000. So it was like a throwaway line, and it was a joke at the time. Um, I was a multimillionaire and uh, uh, the judge had decided when I sued them that everyone should return to their former positions, which was uh, not an economic thing. You couldn't do that. But anyway, I won't go bore your listeners with all that. But anyway, he, he blew that up in the uh, article. Now, this is an article in 2000, and it was headlined, uh, Former Bankrupt, is, is he running a two-tier marketing scheme? And uh, all my friends knew about the uh, the bankruptcy because it was a joke. Um, but anyway, he, he did that. Um I mentioned that I'd been divorced, so he had mentioned that I'd been divorced. I had uh, custody from two young boys, which was most unusual in those times. Um, didn't mention that. Didn't mention any of the positives or anything that I told him about the success of the club. And at that stage, I think we'd created um, 800 people that had uh, become millionaires. We were quite surprised. At, and see, they'd picked up two booms in that, that period. Um, we were quite happy with that fact, that was just completely missed. Um, so that was a big setback. Um, I, I was happy that the members rallied around and he never persisted with any follow-up stories. 
and uh, how, the, the first. How, you know, but that would have been a, a quite a PR issue then for you overall. How did you handle something like that? Because you would have got quite a lot. A lot well, of... Kathy and I were shocked. Uh, I hadn't been in the media prior to that, uh, and the cloak and dagger that goes with it. Um, I had a knock at the door, and, and a, a guy said, um, Who's, "Who does your PR?" And I said, "We don't have any PR." And he said, well, I run a PR company. How about I look after you? And if this sort of things happens, I can jump on it and fix it for you. Mm. So I said, oh, okay. Well, okay yeah. He said, first of all, I need to know what, what skeletons are in your closet. And Catherine <laughs> looked at each other and I said, well, there's no skeletons. You know, we, we, we're here to help people. And uh, everything they we tell them and do is free. Anyhow, subsequently I found out that this uh, PR guy uh, went to school with this same journalist that had done the the dump on us, and he was just down there to really see if they could get some cement around this mud that they were throwing at me. And of course, um, there was no nothing for it, so it never persisted. So that was Neil Wind, and it was picked up about four years later um, by uh, a journalist trying to come up with something sensational in a different state in a different magazine, and he just virtually regurgitated all this this stuff again. And, of course, with this mud throwing, they never persist because they quickly find out from my members that everything they've said there is, is a lie. That's right. And that's um, but it's that does. one throw that does mm. the, the damage. Yeah, the media mm. does that, unfortunately. And I, I don't tend to agree with a lot of things that they say, particularly if you're looking at properties, as we've discussed about earlier in our previous episode as well, that the media can distort what the real thing is and they just want to put a story to sell advertising. Well, you're right, Tyrone, and one of the journalists said to me, we hide behind Murdoch's minions, and this is the problem. Um, I was wrongly quoted on the 7.30 report with a mistake that a totally unrelated um, business did, and they were sued for it, and I don't even know where their office is, but they labelled, they, they confused the issue and got me, in it, and I didn't do it at all. The 7.30 report are refusing to apologise. They've still got it on if you Google me. We've gone to uh, the government agency that controls it and they've said sue them. Uh, we've gone to the commissioner for the ABC uh, who didn't even bother responding to us. Now, in England, when the same thing happened, um, and that was a report that I was referring to, I was trying to start the club in England, they come out with all of page two, regurgitating this garbage again. Um, and over there, it was quick, quickly fixed up with a process that they should introduce in Australia I took a small claims court out for £5,000. Initially, I'd complained to the to the paper. They went back to Stainfree and said, well, sue us, knowing that it would cost me a million dollars. I wouldn't be able to do it. And the retraction probably be in five years' time on page 73. But the small claims court meant that this journalist, without rep- representation, had to front me and a barrister, sorry, a magistrate, 30 days later, to justify his story and why it wasn't um, libelous and misleading. And, of course, he had no justification at all. So the paper came back and said, look, would you be happy <clears throat> to withdraw on the basis that we sacked the journalist? So I said, okay. Of course. Now, wouldn't it be good if we had that in Australia yeah. and we couldn't have this willful stuff that goes on with journalists? And I don't buy papers anymore or magazines because I just can't trust what's 
what's yeah. in there. Yeah, that's right. They're, sometimes I, I think that, you know, <laughs> people utilize the media so that they can get their branding out there because when they say that they've been featured on so-and-so or this magazine or this newspaper, mm-hmm. it sounds good, it builds credibility, but at the same time, I also err on the side that sometimes they don't tell the truth in the story because if it's a boring story, they're not going to share it with people. They want some yeah. kind of drama. Well, thank you for, for sharing that, Kevin. I really appreciate that. It's, a, it's an interesting story to hear about your uh, setbacks and how you overcame that as well. And I guess it sort of reinforces the persistent bit of uh, a successful person because I could have just run away and hide. I could have just come back to Australia. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just thought, no, back if it's wrong, a lot of people are going to think it's the wrong thing to do. Um, and I was ready to launch the club over there with the uh, Martin Roberts, who was the biggest TV personality. He loved what I was doing and was happy to get up on stage and, in, and endorse the club. Yep. And uh, because this thing on page two had threatened his position with the BBC, um, he had to withdraw. So there was a lot of ramifications when mud's thrown um, beyond what you originally think. Rely on statistics rather than take advice from other investors? Young says that it is important to always check the validity of any potential mentor's credentials. Luckily, I had a mate that used to bring a lot of overseas speakers, uh, motivational speakers and wealth creation speakers on a tour of Australia on a circuit. And I could get in to see these people and nothing because he was a mate. Um, but he'd say, look, don't bother coming to see him because, you know, he's, he's um, it's all froth and bubble, he used to call it. There's no substance to them. And that's what we say to these people uh, that, are, that are trying to get educated. Make the people who are giving you advice give their credentials in writing. You know, if they reckon they've got 200 properties, get a list of all the properties where they are. Mm. You know, I've got a list of where my properties are and happy that people can see them. Um, the fact that I've been in business for 50 years, I tell them that. Uh, I think if that was compulsory by law, we'd see a lot of these um, so, so-called gurus rapidly disappear off the uh, off the scene. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So I've never taken advice from anyone I think it's just I've relied on the facts and figures and um, when I was learning it, uh, when I got into real estate, I had a nickname there called the Facts Man because I just had a thirst for knowledge and if people want to know anything about an area, they come to me and, and uh, so what are the prices in this area like and I tell them or when's a new bridge going to go in or when a new hospital is going to go in or a new shopping centre or whatever. Yeah, and all these things influence prices. Talking to Kevin Young about his property investment strategy, he says that the secret is to never sell. He shares with us how his advice helped a retired couple who had also invested in property live a better life. I've got a lot of people, I've over 5,000 people in the Millionaires Club now and we went on a um, five-star tour of Africa and we started in Cape Town and went on the blue train which is on the bucket list and then we flew to... Um, uh, to Johannesburg and then took a light plane in the middle of Savannah and we tended in style with hot and cold showers and crystal glasses and all sorts of things and um, we had a couple that were retired he was very tall uh, he was about 66, 67 she was roughly the same age and we noticed that when we flew we were business class he went economy which would have been very uncomfortable for him and so on the safari, we, we were there when the, the migrating herds were on, so we saw all the different animals together. It was a fantastic trip. really was um, a bucket list job. And I said, why are you going to the economy everywhere? 
And he said, oh, well, I've spent my life saving and uh, it's just part of the nature. So I said, what do you reckon is the profit that you've got in, in your properties that you've accumulated? And I think he said something like two and a half million dollars or something or other. And I wow. said, well, at some point in time, that's going to double, isn't it? And he said, well, yeah. And I said, so you're going to have something like, you know, probably seven or eight million dollars at some point in the future. And he said, yeah. And I said, why don't you just borrow half of last year's capital growth, which was something like 120000 on it, something like that anyway. Yep. And I said, it's a safe lend for the bank, saying half of last year's capital growth. Um, and we worked out that that would have kept him below a 60% loan evaluation, and that would have satisfied the banks. And then I said, you never pay that back, because the repayments on, say, 100000 might have been 5000 a year. Mm. And I said, you know, take out our borrowings the following year and the following year. And... Once they saw it, the light came on, they changed their travel plans. They didn't go back to uh, Australia economy. They went business class uh, up into Dubai and went shopping there in Dubai and then went around the world and back into uh, Western Australia. And that's the secret of what our plan is, is never sell, but borrow conservatively your past annual increase for one year, which is very, very conservative. Mm. And um, never sell. Selling is akin to chopping down your apple tree to get an apple. What do you do next year? Um, so simply never sell and borrow and still retain it. Yeah, so basically if you've got the golden goose there, never call, kill the golden goose but just keep letting yeah. it lay the eggs. Yeah, yep. Unlike bananas that don't go rotten. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Coming up after the break, we'll delve further into Kevin Young's strategy. Now, it's, it's a good strategy. I've used it all my life. I retired at 27. How he built a successful portfolio. And this is the, the, the philosophy that I eventually uh, had to come up with because I was selling my properties. And then I realized that sooner I have to go back to work because I'd be out of property. So then the only alternative was to borrow. He tells us about his great new book, Instantly, I've got a book coming out. It should be out in January called Broke at 20, Retired at 27. And that's next. I'm Tyron Shump and you're listening to Property Investory. This episode is brought to you by MeBank, a different kind of bank built and supported by industry super funds. You could be getting a better deal on your home loan by getting in touch with MeBank. They offer competitive rates and two loan types. One with a range of features including the ability to fix your rate and have multiple offset accounts and another that's nice and simple with no ongoing fees. Both loans provide the flexibility of interest only or principal and interest. So, whatever your investment strategy, you'll find a home loan that's right for you. Stop wondering and start saving by giving MeBank a call on 131 563 or visit mebank.com.au. Terms and conditions apply. Now back to the show. Are you looking at buying property? Unsure which suburb to choose? Let me share with you an amazing tool. It's called Location Score and it's the simplest way to decide where to buy profitable property all over Australia. Created by property experts Ben Kingsley, Bryce Holloway and Jeremy Shepard. You can check it out at propertyinvestory.com forward slash location score. 
Also, when you buy through my affiliate link, I'll give you one month access to the Property Investory Club where you can learn from the experts and be part of a private property investing community valued at $99. Visit propertyinvestory.com forward slash location score to claim your special offer. Enabling him to retire at the ripe young age of 27, Young explains how his strategy works through buying and holding properties, then using the equity to live off. My total your, your debt to equity is 50% or less. And then it's an easy lend to go up to 60% loan to value. So if you've got $4 million worth of property and $2 million worth of debt, to take it up to 60%, you can borrow $400,000, which gives you a very, very good lifestyle for a year. Mm, um, probably for four or five years' uh, lifestyle because this is tax-free money. And in that four or five years, that portfolio would have gone up possibly 30% or 40%. If it's in the boom period, it probably would go up more than that. And then you simply revisit it again and take it, you loan up to that 60%. Now, it's, it's a good strategy. I've used it all my life. I retired at 27. Instantly, I've got a book coming out. It should be out in January called Broke at 20, Retired at 27. Oh, that would be an interesting and, read. And this is the, the, the philosophy that I eventually uh, had to come up with because I was selling my properties. And then I realised that soon I'd have to go back to work because I'd be out of property. So then the only alternative was to borrow and uh, Luckily, I had a very good Commonwealth Bank manager at the time who <laughs> held my hands with this process and he helped me uh, overcome a lot of the bad principles that I thought I'd picked up at school and reading in the paper and all that sort of thing. Um, so I was able to do it. But the problem I've got right now <clears throat> is that I, I predicted the credit squeeze that Australia is in um, five years ago. And for the last six years, we've had a credit squeeze brought on by a banking monopoly here in Australia. Now, I don't want to get political with you, but these backdrops are, are changing all the time. And if you understand them, it makes it easier to do predictions. And if you get your predictions right, that's where you, you can make money. And it's back to the banana story again. So what we've got overlaying a banking monopoly and this credit restriction, we've got an ill-informed APRA uh, forcing uh the banks to only lend to uh, 10% of investors. So normally investors are 35% of the market, say. They want banks to only lend 10%. And they're not telling the other 25% of investors who can't get money what to do to avoid the pension. They're just saying, oh, you're naughty boys. What these people normally do is invest in off-plan or new properties, and that's more bananas in the store. What is effectively done you stop bananas getting into the store. So developers, builders have got store projects around there because they can't get these seed investors because the banks have been told not to lend to them and they're saying to people, um, I can't guarantee that your approval will last two years when it's finished. I might change the rules on you and suddenly you've got to come up with five or six hundred, seven hundred thousand dollars $700,000 and we're not going to lend it to you. So it's um, led to a catastrophic drop in the production of the right sort of properties and it's fooling the market because the commentators are looking at the total number of properties being built and saying, isn't it great? But it's the wrong sort of bananas. It's the inner city high-rise 
and that's been made up by only a handful of builders in each of the capital cities. Mm. And so the vast number of builders are really being squeezed, can't get funds, and the vast number of property investors can't get funding. Mm. Now, for some unknown reason, APRA forced this on. And so if you and I were a banking monopoly, we'd say, well, we can only expand our uh, investor market by 10% instead of 35%. We will just lend to the cream. So we'll say to people, well, we want a high deposit off you and we want to see that you've got a high income. And so they're, they're scooping the cream of the investors and that means the rest of the people can't get into the market and can't bring more supply into the market. Yep. So how do you make money out of that? You look forward to less bananas in the store, increased prices. Yep. So right now people should be finding some way to get money to get into the property market, the new property market, not, not older properties because they're problems, uh, knowing that this APRA is actually – not containing prices is inspiring prices, and so the Sydney boom will continue all the has continued all this year. It should have stopped, and will continue all next year as well. Uh, to a lesser extent, Melbourne market will be uh, be uh, continuing for another two years over the market can't correct, and the biggest market in Australia in the next twelve months will be the Gold Coast market. Simply because the, the demand for bananas there is greatest in Australia. It's 3.5% population growth, which is more than double the national average. Yeah, that is. Uh, and yet you look at the supply of bananas coming in there, and the mayor of the Gold Coast opened our conference last year, and he was saying to the audience that normally they produce 15,000 bananas, using that analogy, a year. But for the last five years, they've been producing less than 5,000 into that market. Wow. So rents are rising, prices are rising, and uh, my properties down there went up between 17 and 20%. Young confirms that by accessing a line of credit, you can borrow from the accumulated wealth that your properties have accumulated. This can sustain a savvy investor's lifestyle for many years. Yeah, we say get a line of credit um, and then you only pay interest on the bit that you're drawing down. So uh, this month, you might want to uh, go business class around the world, so you draw out $30,000 or whatever is needed. Yep. And when you come back, uh, you need for that month might own $5,000, so you just draw $5,000. The month after that, the uh, the kids might want to go to university, so you've got to find out what that's going to cost and draw that money out and uh, shoot them off to university. So um, wants and needs never stop. Uh, you're insatiable. Um, but the good thing about property and that line of credit is that you can now uh, fill, satisfy your bucket list because you, you've got uh, the wherewithal. Uh, and in my book, I've got the uh, uh, property prices going right back to just after the Second World War so that people can – it's like playing a game of Monopoly. Uh, in fact, I've got a uh, computer program I did up and we call it uh, Financial Independence Date. Uh, people can actually plug and play historical data into that to see that the plan works and what mm. sort of properties to buy safely. And again, that, that's a free service that we give people. Excellent. But I'll give you an example. We'll imagine it's 1980 and you're in Sydney. The average price was 71000 Ten years later, it was 173000 And you've still got a $71,000 debt. You've got $100,000 there of equity. And you know the banks will lend you 60%. So that's 102000 So you can borrow another $31,000, which is about half of the original cost of the property in 1980. Mm. 
And so I haven't got in my book of what the wages were, were around at the time to see how well you could live on that sort of money. But from the bank's point of view, it was a very safe lend because they uh, went had a debt of 102000 on that property, but 10 years later it was worth three hundred and nine. So their security was always nice, nice and safe. And someone else has the property, someone else has the capital growth, not you. Young elaborates further on his strategy, stating that there are 13 critical factors to look for in an investment property in order to ensure its success. These factors have been recorded in a checklist on Young's website, which enable you to compare properties when looking to invest. There's a bit of finessing in there and um, we've got a lot of tips on our website, but one I just started uh, putting out there, when we choose a property, you can have two brand new properties side by side. One we'll endorse and the other we won't. And there's 13 different critical factors that we look at in a successful investment property. And we're happily giving that out free on our website. So we've got a checklist of 13 um, that we'll uh, give out to anyone so they can get that list and go around and it'll help them compare different properties to get the right sort of property. And the end result of all that, if you do it right, is that the extra tax that you're not seeing to Canberra and the tenant's money pay all your outgoings. Mm. And that's why we, our people find it so easy to get three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine properties because they're not putting their hand in their pocket. Having stated a preference for buying newer properties, Young explains that part of this strategy is also tax-related. 13, 13 tick lists to make sure we get properties that have got a lot of tax credits in them. Oh, okay. So the, the builder's paid for the carpet, but it comes off your tax. The builder is paid for the kitchen, but it comes off your tax, uh, etc. So you can't depreciate land, but you can building and the content. So uh, no two houses are the same. And so 90% of new houses or units or townhouses will reject because they don't tick enough of those 13 items. But when they do, you find the tax that you were paying and now you're not goes in your take-home pay. You add that to the tenant's money and you're paying no money at all. So... When you're driving around and you see a nice property and you know it's going to cost you nothing, you pop it into your portfolio. And we've got a software program that I've devised that makes it very easy because you work out what your income is going to be next year. It works out how much tax you're going to be paying and then it works out the number of properties you need to bring your tax back to zero. So I've used that program and I haven't paid back since I was 27 and I've been investigated every three years by the tax department. Legally. Because they don't pay yeah, tax. Legally. Legally. <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah. Now, most people don't do that because it'll cost you a fortune to get um, these uh, depreciation reports on a number of properties before you made the right decision. And that's where that 13 checklist comes in handy. It um, directs you towards, if you're going to get the quantities report, um, just get off one or two properties rather than 20 properties that you may be looking at. So it eliminates a lot of the um, the costs. And also, we where we can, we'll get the builder to pay for that depreciation report. Yeah. Um, and it depends where the market is. But right now, um, the market's good for buyers and we can screw some really good deals off them. And that's one of them that we say, um, uh, you pay for the depreciation report. Mm. Another one where we're doing is um, before we settle, we overcome a lot of problems that couldn't arise later because we know once a tenant's in there, they form a lot of things. The builder never comes back. Next thing you've got an unhappy tenant. 
stops paying the rent, next thing you're bankrupt. So what we do in our contracts, we have clause that we don't settle until a professional has gone through and checked for these things that a tenant might be unhappy with. And um, that costs us about 350 bucks, And we get the vendor to pay that as well. But it, uh, it means he doesn't get his money until that. That is complete. Uh, as complete and ticked off. Buying new properties also means that there should be minimal upkeep needed. Acquiring a builder's guarantee will ensure the property is maintained where necessary, which in turn provides sustainability in the future. Another thing we're doing there, we're actually for, for a uh, first, uh, we're getting the builders to personally give us a guarantee for 10 years. Yes. How about that? Yep. So they sign a form that says, I personally warrant the next 10 years to maintain the property against any water ingress. Uh, and that's where most of the problems arise in time. Um, you know, the bathroom leaks or the outside leaks to the inside or somewhere. Well, now uh, they escape that because of the six-year structural and some places only three-year structural. And they say, it's not my problem. Mm. So the body corporate review have to pay that amount, which can be quite substantial. It is. It uh, is. But now we'll have the builder personally warranting it. Now, what I like out of that is... If they give that guarantee, you know they're going to build a really good product because they don't want to come back. Young says that the fear of failure has motivated him to persist and diversify. This personal habit has greatly contributed to his successful property investment journey. This is an unusual one uh, and it's always motivated me Um, and it's the fear of failure. And I, that's why I struggle when you want to know what had gone wrong. So I, I have, I've had a lot of setbacks, um, but I've just persisted and won. So I think one of the lessons is diversify. But another one is have this fear of failure so that you persist. And um, I think everything that's come my way is an ill wind. Um, I've persisted. And I've won. So if the property market's down for three or four years, <clears throat> I haven't got demoralised and sold. I've said, well, historically it's going to come back again, and it will. And so I sort of persist. Um, I never really got involved with older properties after the first couple when I realised you're constantly putting your hand in your pocket for surprise cash, um, and surprises are what sends you broke. So it's uh, new ones and... Uh, I think the fear of failure has driven me to make sure I look at all the things that can go wrong first, do as much as I can to overcome them, and then when something comes up by surprise, I don't want to be a failure, whether it's a business or a relationship or a particular, uh, even the, the property club. So I think you can learn a lot from people who are failures because you look back at their story that they're telling you and you think, you didn't persist. Mm. You, know, you really just didn't persist or you didn't diversify. So they're probably the two two um, big ones, along with research, of course, which probably goes into um, uh, those two traits. Uh, you have to have research to be able to beat them. The 13-point checklist is available for download on Young's website at propertyclub.com.au. If you have any further questions or want to find out more from Young, he tells us the best way to get in touch with him. Uh, the other one is I've got um, asked Kevin Young. It's uh, you know, I'm talking technical stuff that I don't know, but 
I get a lot of questions from people and I do about a three or four minute response. And I think we've got about 120 episodes out there now answering these questions. So um, I do get a lot of compliments from people that it's free, that they learn a lot from them. Thank you to Kevin Young, our guest in this episode at Property Investory. If you want to hear more about his journey spending over 50 years and during that time purchasing more than 650 properties, became a millionaire under 30, started his very own property club, then visit our website at propertyinvestory.com. Simply type in the search bar Kevin Young and select that episode to learn more about his story. Also, are you looking at buying property in 2018? Would you like expert tips and advice on the best ways you can purchase property? Whether you're a new or experienced investor, learn from the experts by downloading the Property Investment Buying Handbook. It contains the best tips and advice from 37 of Australia's leading property experts. Simply visit propertyinveststory.com and subscribe to get your copy right now. Thanks for listening. If you love the show and you're ready to get serious about saving on your home loan, give MeBank a call. MeBank is the bank built by industry super funds, famous for their competitive rates and flexible home loan options. So, whatever your investment strategy, you'll find the loan that's right for you. Call MeBank on 131 563 or visit mebank.com.au. Terms and conditions apply.